Welcome to Approaching Infinity, where we focus on the latest in finance, technology, and innovation. We present you with interesting and unique stories, news, and interviews to help you understand your limits and how to exceed them. Now, here's your host, Justin Rutnerine. Welcome back to the Approaching Infinity podcast, where we focus on all things finance, innovation, and technology. Today, I'd like to, to introduce Mr. Brian Rathjen. He's the president of Roberts and Ryan's Investments, which is the first service-disabled and veteran-owned broker-dealer. He is also a graduate of the United States Naval Academy and former engineering officer. And finally, he is passionate about supporting veteran causes and initiatives. And it shows because he's a member of the Naval Academy's President Circle, a board member with the Boulder Crest Retreat for Veteran Wellness, and uh, he's also an avid historian with the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick. Mr. Mr. Rathjen, welcome to the show. Anything I missed? Uh, no, that's great. Justin, thank you so much for having me on your uh, podcast. I've been a big fan of Approaching Infinity for a while. It was a pleasure okay. to meet you recently at the uh, City Group at a, um, a veteran on Wall Street, and we had a chance to meet there, and I'm glad we reconnected. And uh, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. Glad you touched on that. Yeah, we met briefly uh, over there, but it was uh, great to hear the story. And I think it's very beneficial for the audience to also uh, learn kind of how, how you transitioned, how you uh, made made a name for yourself and kind of the efforts of uh, Roberts and Ryan's and your passions going forward. So on that note, uh, why don't we why don't we start there? You know, uh, you were a former engineering officer serving in the military, what made you make that transition originally, you know, first from the military into uh, financial services? Yeah, so I grew up on Long Island and uh, close proximity to New York City. And a lot of my, uh, the, the, the folks that I interfaced with and the folks in my community were, uh, you know, on Wall Street. And uh, I've always had um, an affinity for that. When I was a young man, I used to go down to the floor of the New York Stock Exchange when that place was very robust and a great place to work. And I was always uh, interested in the financial markets. And um, <clears throat> so when I went to the Naval Academy, I studied economics. And I always had um, the dream of eventually go going down to Wall Street. Um, so when I went into the, uh, the Naval Academy, I graduated. I went into the surface warfare community. And I spent uh, three years on a ship out of Pearl Harbor. Um, I love the military. I think it's not for everybody, but one of the things that I loved about serving our great country uh, in the military was really the human interaction, the, the ability to, to meet with um, all types of people from different you know, racial, different religion, different socioeconomic backgrounds. But they all had one common thing, and I think anyone who serves in the military has got a common thread, which is a call to service. And, you know, I, I don't want to make it oversimplified, but I do think that the world is made up of givers and takers. And the military has just got a tremendous uh, group of people that I think predominantly are, are givers. They may have joined or got commissioned into the military for different reasons, Maybe it was to, you know, it's, you know, they all wanted to serve their country. Maybe they wanted to get an education through an ROTC program and, and have the military pay for that. Maybe they were escaping a bad family situation or maybe they just wanted to serve. 
but at their core, they're givers and they, they want to serve others. And that's what I loved about the military. Um, mm -hmm. It was an unbelievable experience. No, I wholeheartedly agree. It, uh, the military isn't for everybody, but it truly is an organization of givers. Everybody there has a unique story for context. I'm a, a former Air Force officer, but uh, everyone there who I worked with came to work every day, was passionate about what we did, and uh, it was just good to get a, a group of uh, people around the world, around the U.S., who just came together to support a mission and uh, be part of something bigger. But uh, I'm glad you, you share that experience as well. Um, why don't we focus on uh, your role at Roberts and Ryan? So first, what does it mean for Roberts and Ryan's to be the first uh, service disabled veteran-owned broker dealer? What does that mean for our community? So we were the first in so much as you know Dan Roberts. Um, Dan Roberts was a Vietnam vet. He was a combat Marine who was injured, and he came back. And uh, in 1987, he was a part of a group um, of, of about 10 folks that lobbied uh, Congress and the federal government to give a special designation to service disabled veterans. So historically, and this goes back really to the auto industry, was the first one to give a um, uh, subcontracting um, minority status, help women and minorities. And that's been going on for about 40 years. But in 1999, Bill Clinton signed some legislation that gave benefits uh, or minority status to service-disabled veterans. And Dan Roberts was, uh, he started the first broker-dealer called Roberts and Ryan in 1987. Dan ran the business really as a one-man shop until we purchased it from him in um, 2018. So Robertson Ryan is is the first service disabled veteran. Now there's about eight service disabled veteran firms out there, and there's certainly a, a few that are bigger and more robust at this point. They came on the scene uh, probably about ten years ago, but technically, you know, we were the first. Um, so, oh, so we're a full service broker dealer, and we've got a designation that the majority of our ownership is owned by service disabled veterans. But that's kind of our lead in. You know, what we do is uh, we have three lines of business. We do debt capital market transactions for Fortune 1000 companies. So we've been in about 200 transactions uh, since 2018. And that's where, for example, Ford Motor Company will be issuing bonds and they'll have a lead banker like Goldman Sachs or JP Morgan or Citigroup. And then they'll put a woman, a minority and a veteran in as co-managers. Mm -hmm. And then we also have equity capital markets where we work with private equity companies and private companies that are going public. And we are also have, um, can be a co-manager on that, help underwrite and distribute the shares of the stock. And then we've got equity and fixed income trading, where I've got a very robust team that could trade stocks um, for money managers uh, who are buying, who are doing financial transactions. That's kind of what we are. We're about 35 folks. We're comprised of military veterans, Wall Street veterans, who I call citizen patriots, and then a combination like myself, who's a military veteran and a Wall Street veteran. But um, that's kind of what we do. 
Our sole purpose, really, and the reason we started this in 2018, was to create a financial engine to give back to the veteran community. So over the last four years, we've donated $1.8 million back to a variety of causes. Thank you. A variety of causes that support the health and wellness of our military community. Um, We buy mechanized wheelchairs through Robert Irvine Foundation. You know, these are $36,000 iBots that give increased mobility to our uh, veterans who've uh, lost a couple of limbs or are confined to a wheelchair. And we also, through the uh, Children of Fallen Patriots, we provide uh, funding for children who have lost a parent overseas. So that's really our our purpose. We've got a great group of of men and women, and we're focused, we're very mission-driven to increase our revenue. We want to provide great client service First and foremost, we, we can do the work. So we want to provide a great client experience to our to our um, counterparties. Mm-hmm. Number two, not only can we provide you um, a great client service and get the transactions done in a professional way, but if it's important to you, you can check the box on diversity. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, but most important to us, is you're going to be supporting the veteran community. Wow. Incredible. Thank you for uh, walking through the history as well as the lines of business and then how Roberts and Ryan's kind of gives back to the community whole and especially the uh, veterans community. I, I was going to lead up with, um, you know, kind of what does it mean to be president of Roberts and Ryan? So kind of what's the vision? But I think you, you touched on it there, kind of expanding the lines of business, continuing to support the veteran community um, and giving back anything uh, yeah, yes. Justin, right now, yeah. right right now, look, we're a very small firm um, <clears throat> doing about $9 million of revenue. Our vision is to get this up to $50 million in the next few years and be able to donate $5 million a year uh, wow. back to the veteran community. And I'll give you one of our driving forces. You know, <clears throat> I just feel that, you know, we've been at war. Um, thank God we wound everything down, but we had 20 years of war post nine uh, 11. And there was about 3 million folks who deployed into combat zones over that time period. There's a conservative estimate that about a third of those folks now have come back and they've got some form of PTS post-traumatic, mm-hmm. um, uh, post-traumatic stress or syndrome. And they need our help. And the government really has not provided the resources to take care of them. So I think that our mission is to kind of fill that gap and provide the funding for that. And over the last four years, like I said, it's $1.8 million. That's really not enough. $5 million mm-hmm. is really not enough, but it's a start. And I'm hoping that other corporations will kind of see our business model and it will embolden them to also join this and you'll give back to the veteran community. I think it's a national security issue. If we don't take care of our current veterans, we're going to have a tough time attracting the next generation, right? The next, the young generation looks, how are these guys treated? Like when you, I'm a little bit older than you, probably a lot older than you, but (laughs) the way that we treated our Vietnam vets in the early days, the military had a tough time recruiting people in the late 70s because the young people looked at like, wait a minute, these guys were not treated right. 
We have to treat these people right. First of all, they deserve it. It's the right thing to do. But if you don't believe in that, then look at it from a national security perspective. You know, the fact that a, a guy will come back or man or woman will come back having lost two limbs and they get issued a standard wheelchair is nonsense. So there's these $36,000 iBots that are mechanized that allow uh, increased mobility. These are an amazing piece of equipment that should be issued by the government, but is not. So we've been fortunate enough. We've uh, funded five of them. And then one of our clients uh, actually donated four. So we've donated nine of these, but you know, which is about one a quarter. We should, I want to get to the point where we could donate one a day of these uh, things. Oh yeah. That would, that would truly be something to help out the community. And I think that's a incredible goal and vision too. And I believe like more companies and organizations should, uh, add a mission of just giving back, you know, in their uh, mission statements or vision to uh, help out those who maybe aren't as fortunate or maybe just help out those who are uh, kind of a little bit lost along the way. And um, uh, that's incredible to hear that, um, you know, hopefully giving back 5 million in the future. Although, you know, it's, it's definitely going to help out, you know, a lot of other companies and corporations should uh, also adopt this style as well. And I think uh, in the future, I've tried to do my best. Um, why don't we follow on with uh, kind of the influence of uh, your military background, maybe your career as a whole on uh, whether it's uh, your leadership style or business decisions you've made. So uh, in a sense, can you draw on some experience from the past that, hey, you know, I've had the experience and this has kind of shaped how I want to run uh, Roberts and Ryan's or how I want to live in my personal life that you could offer to uh, the audience? Yeah, I think that my leadership style is more like, um, you know, servant leader, putting your, putting yourself last. I think that works in, I think just in general, let's just talk philosophically, you know, what's it all about? You know, unfortunately, I've been to, you know, no less than six funerals in the last three months. Just, you know, I'm at that age where sorry you know, a lot of my, no, you know, a lot a lot of things happen, but, and I listen to the eulogies because you're always thinking about your own mortality at some point. And it's interesting. There's a common thread. Nobody, you never hear someone's title. You never hear the size of their bank account. You never hear anything about material possessions. It's always about family, friends, and people that they've impacted. And I just think that if more people got into putting themselves last, right? So in the Navy, we used to say ship, shipmate, self. In other words, the ship comes first, then your shipmates, your teammates, and then always put yourself last. And when I took my leadership style with the folks at Roberts and Ryan, and, and these are very mature type A players. They don't really need a lot of leadership, which is great. But kind of the common thread is put yourself last, right? Mm -hmm. Worry about the other person first. Figure out what the client's needs are. Take care of them. Always give with no expectation of anything in return. And the universe is an amazing place and karma just works out. So my leadership style is to try to, you know, first of all, lead by example, put other people first. And it's worked out for me. That's just the way you know, 
that's my my philosophy. You know, that's my reality. I just think if you're always looking to help people, it, it'll it'll work out. And then, mm-hmm. you know, that, that that's kind of what I learned when I was in the service. My number one thing was I took care of my men. So I was a division officer. Then I was an engineering officer. I had 88 folks underneath me. And my main focus was, and it's genuine, care about other people and care about their needs. And if you take care of your the men and women in your charge, they'll take care of you. Oh, yes. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Thank you for outlining that. It's uh, it's kind of interesting you say that, too. Um, our squadron commander, uh, he was really... He made us all take notes from a book called Leaders Eat Last, and I think it had a very familiar mission. And um, our uh, our motto there in uh, our squadron, the Air Force, was a mission first, but people always. And I remember that squadron commander; uh, he was uh, he was always the first one there and always the last one to leave. And whenever you needed something or had any questions, concerns, he was always there. And uh, I think that really did set a very good tone for the entire squadron, even the whole organization in general. And uh, more leaders like that, especially in the private sector, as you pointed out, and I think you are definitely one yourself, uh, would be beneficial for uh, you know our development in the future. So finally, why don't we touch on the value of uh, veterans in the, fi- in the financial services industry? Kind of, uh, I guess what I want to hit on here is uh, some veterans or personal friends of mine have had trouble transitioning. Uh, from the service into the private sector. Uh, can you speak to, you know, the value of veterans uh, coming into the finance industry? Are they uh, up to par? You know, or what can we do to maybe assist them better transition? Yeah, hundred percent. So this is a topic I'm very passionate about at any given time right now, I'm working with two transitioning veterans. Um, and that's just on an ongoing basis. So, the first thing I'll say to any veterans or military folks that are thinking about leaving uh, the service, um, I, I think veterans are unbelievable hires, and a lot of corporations are recognizing this. First and foremost, do not be afraid of the transition, right? Everything that you've learned in the military translates so well to the corporate world, right? I mean, if you think about what makes up the military, the folks that make up the military and what we learn in the military, right? How to analyze, adapt, overcome adversity. You have all the skills that make will make you a premier uh, teammate at a corporation or business, right? We're mission-driven, right? We're, it's drilled into us. Like, again, ship, shipmate, self, the ability to be given a task and figure it out. Um, I think veterans, it, first of all, it's a great time to be a military veteran because there are so many great programs out there that like, I just saw one bank of America, this guy, Bill Golden, who is a uh, army veteran. The guy was a complete stud. He was with the night stalkers. He was commanding officer. He's just a wonderful guy. He's running a program over at Bank of America for transitioning veterans. You come in, they take you in, and they they train you in a variety of skills. It's like an analyst program. But these programs are all over uh, Wall Street in particular. But if you go to any website 
uh, of any corporation, of any industry you may be interested in, most of them have a veteran group led by a veteran. And I would encourage any transitioning veteran, two things. One, uh, yo, just reach out and figure out what the programs are. But it's a great time as opposed to when I got out in, in uh, <coughs> excuse me, 1994, it wasn't so much. It would be like you, you go to the office, you get your DD-214, and they say, thank you for your service. Good luck. Now, wow. corporations, uh, they figured out. I think in the beginning, corporations were like, well, it's the right thing to do. We've got to take care of the veterans. Then they started hiring veterans and realized, wow, these people are really impactful to the bottom line. Like, we need more of them. And like Blackstone, had a, Steve Schwartzman's another unbelievable patriot. He had, a, he had this initiative. I think it was 200,000 veterans we're going to hire in all our portfolio companies in a set period of time. They blew through the number. They blew through the timeline. And then he just re-upped because he's realizing veterans make great uh, teammates. Do not be concerned. What I always tell, and I was just talking to this captain who's getting out. He's an artillery officer. And uh, I was talking to him this week, and I'm putting him in touch. I put him in touch with Bank of America and some other places. He had a little bit of trepidation. I said, look, you're an artillery officer. Like, you've already done it. Everything you've seen in the military, you're not going to see anything more challenging than what you've already been through. Think about, so I say, look, think about when you were 18 or 21 and you first went into the military and you show up at boot camp or uh, your ROTC unit or whatever uh, unit you went to first, like how daunting that was, right? Learning new vernacular, learning how to wear a uniform, learning how to, you know, the ranks and all of that. It's no different. You just have to learn a new language, right? So I think it's a right. great time to be transitioning. Um, everybody's hiring veterans and do not worry. You can figure it out. There's nothing complicated uh, that you cannot analyze, adapt, and overcome. Wow. Excellently summarized. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, uh, but but can I add to that working. just... I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. Let me just add to that. The one thing... You know, you should definitely be on LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn is kind of social media for professionals. And if you go on LinkedIn and just reach out to, and, and there's veteran groups on there. And if you, it's a perfect time, you know, I would start, you know, six months before you're trying to get out, maybe even further. It's not too early to build out your network. And if you're in the military and you're transitioning, you send a simple message to any veteran and they could be the CEO of a company, and you say, you know, this is Tom Jones, I'm transitioning out of the Army. I would love to do a 15-minute intro Zoom or call with you to pick your brain. I'm just exploring options. I guarantee you your hit rate for responses will be north of 80%. Mm -hmm. Veterans, we have a great community that want to help other people. We've all been there. Just reach out. Because people will help you. And certainly anyone wants, I mean, I'm happy to, you know, I always say to, to veterans, my network's your network. Link into me, dig through if I can make an introduction, but we will help you transition. Do not be fearful of transitioning out of the military because you will be embraced, you will thrive, and it's just a great time right now. Oh, yeah. Excellently summarized. Um 
I, I wholeheartedly agree again. It was um, for my own transition out of the military. It was, uh, yeah, they, they told me like the first year would be uh, the hardest. And, uh, you know, a quick aside too, on that note with LinkedIn, you know, there's uh, when you are in your final six months of the military, I believe, or six months to a year, you get a, a premium. And I used that uh, while transitioning to make several connections, like you said, and it truly helped that transition go as smooth as possible. So that first year out was definitely uh, not as bad as some other uh, transitioning and separated veterans made it sound. So I I want to touch on that point again. And uh, once again, thank you for outlining. It's always good to be teammates or coworkers with a fellow veteran. And uh, yeah, that, that's great to hear. Jarson, what uh, was your, what was, <clears throat> when you transitioned the first year, because it is a little daunting. You, when you're in the military, it's very structured. You know where mm-hmm. you're going to be. You get your paycheck on the 1st and 15th. There's a clear roadmap. When you get out, not so much. What was your biggest, um, not to turn this interview into for you, but tell <laughs> me, I'm, I'm curious, like what was your biggest either frustration or what was the biggest challenge for you when you got out? Uh, so for me, it was a bit, uh, well, I guess, I don't know if it's unique, but uh, prior to going in the military, right, it was for engineering, right? I knew I wanted to solve uh, tough problems and work on cool stuff. <laughs> And the military, I got to do that. I was a uh, over. Uh, I was a uh, pretty much an engineer working at Vandenberg and working on the rockets. So that was super cool. But I always knew something was missing. And uh, later on, I realized there was this this piece of finance, like the financial world and capital markets. And then making that transition because I had no uh, prior financial experience, you know, no formal finance. It was all engineering and military. That was the, kind of the sticking point for me. It's like, how do I? How do I get my foot in the door, so to say? And uh, using that approach, ironically enough, like going on LinkedIn, sending out emails, using the resources that provided to me through the TAPS or uh, uh, I forgot the acronym, the Transitioning uh, Veteran Program, TAPS is the class. That's how I was able to kind of bridge that gap. And that's what made the year a bit smoother because there was a point where it was like, oh man, I'm not I'm not finding anything. But after sending out uh, countless, uh, hey, I can add value this way. This is what I did. You know, this is what I could do for you guys. Um, eventually it paid off and that's what made the transition smoother. And I would, uh, like you said, you know, don't be afraid to reach out. That's, I, I took that to heart and I may have reached out a bit too much, but uh, it paid off. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to reach out and go, you can go to the high levels of a firm or whatever, just reach out, build your network. The network for me, it's been everything. And the way you build a network is you try to add some value. But certainly in the beginning, just reach out and ask for a 10, 15 minute Zoom intro or a phone call right. and just talk to as many people. And people are going to respond to that. Again, it's probably more than 80% you'll get you'll get a response for, uh, for sure. I think the biggest thing you have to also be prepared for is in the military, nothing's really driven by money. No one's motivated by money. Mm-hmm. It's just one mission and, you know, um, everyone's kind of in it together. The business world, you have to get ready, I think, in certain circumstances for a little bit of disappointment. Like everyone's motivations are slightly different. And I think you'll be shocked um, about the level of mediocrity out there in certain corporations. And you may be disappointed with the level of performance of some of your peers, and you'll probably be shocked by it. 
In the military, it's kind of, uh, you know, I think it's a little bit of a higher standard with more of a mission uh, and a purpose. Mm -hmm. But that's that's a broad stroke because, you know, there are certain organizations that are fantastic. Their mission, you know, they're all about the mission. They're all about their teammates and they put themselves last. But you got to find the right culture. I think one of the reasons, and it's getting better, a number of years ago, when we didn't have TAPS, we didn't have SkillBridge, and we didn't have these programs, mm-hmm. and the corporations really didn't understand veterans, a lot of folks that were transitioning, like, well, I'm getting out on June 30th. My last paycheck's July 1st. I need a paycheck July 15th. And they would rush into a job just for the paycheck. And then they would be disappointed. You know, they take the first opportunity that came to them. And... You know, at the time, this is going back 10 years ago, 90% of veterans would leave their first job after a year, which isn't good for the veteran and it wasn't good for the corporation. Things have gotten better. But my point of all that is take your time, network, get started early, you know, at least six months and talk to people and just try to figure out where you're going to be. And also realize the first job that you grab is not necessarily going to be your last. Don't get panicked that you have to make a decision that you're going to be stuck with for the next 30 years, you know? Oh yeah, uh, I agree. One, one final thing to touch on too, regarding the, uh, you mentioned skill bridge just for our audience. It's a program uh, for the veterans listening out there that when you are, and I believe your first, your last six months, you could work at a, uh, a private company to kind of help ease you into that transition. Um, I personally started applying to these skill bridge positions about a year uh, prior to, uh, uh, separation. So, uh, for any veterans listening, I would definitely look into that program. It's been, uh, instrumental in, uh, my, uh, uh smooth transition as well. Yeah. Skill bridge uh, is a great program for all involved. I think the military, mm-hmm. Justin kind of figured out, Hey, Justin's getting out in six months. He's kind of like half in half out. So why don't mm-hmm. we just encourage him to just go full time? It's kind of a fellowship. So, yeah. you know, they'll pay, you get all, you know, so say you're in the army so in the last six months, they actually detach you. And it's almost like going um, TAD to a corporation. So you can go to, you know, Fortune 1000, whatever corporation, and the army or the service will pay for your salary. So for the corporation, mm-hmm. it's a free fellowship or internship. And then you kind of date for that period. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if it's a fit, they'll hire you. But the Skill Bridge is a great program. Hiring our heroes. I had a um, oh. yeah, I had a young man come to us through hiring our heroes, and we actually hired him uh, at Robertson Ryan. He worked for us for two years, a tremendous asset to our firm. And then he went on to Berkeley Haas, and you know he, he's he's since moved on, and and, and um, he's in logistics now. He's doing great, Junaid Lujami, but. Hiring Our Heroes, TAP, SkillBridge, these are programs that are out there, and I would definitely encourage all transitioning veterans to look uh, into it. Oh, no, thank you again. Hey, uh, to pretty much summarize and wrap up things, I, I, I want to, we do this thing with our, our guests. Any piece of advice or really any topic you want to touch on, regardless of topic you want to leave to the audience, uh, anything come to mind? Yeah, I think that, you know, we're in an interesting uh, period in uh, in our country. And I think we have to get back to the basics, uh, which is common ground. Um, I think with social media, 
and all these outside influences, you know, social media and technology can be good, but I think it's also driving a wedge. You know, I've been, I'm 57 years old. I've never seen the country more divided. And part mm-hmm. of the issue is there's no conversations going on. So if you're on the left or the right, there's no conversations. And it's either you're with us or against us. And I think we need to get back to the basics and have real dialogue. You know, God gave us two ears and one mouth. And so that means we mm-hmm. should be doing twice as much listening as talking. And I just think that we we live on the greatest nation, you know, on the planet. Um, there's tremendous opportunity here, but we need to start listening to each other. And I think the way the algorithms are set up in social media is they just want to get your eyeballs. So if you're leaning left, they're going to push you further left. If you're leaning right, they're going to push you further right. But at its core, America is a great country. It's a land of opportunity. We need to have more dialogue uh, with both sides. Otherwise, we're going to head down a very, very bad path. I'm, I'm an optimist by nature. You need to be as an entrepreneur. But at its core, yes, as our country had some faults and problems, yes, but let's talk about them. Let's not just shout over each other. So that's one thing. The other thing is, look, life is good. Life is a blessing. You woke up today, that's a blessing. Use it for the benefit of others and you'll... You know, just give with no expectation of anything in return and it'll come back to you. And um, that's it. I mean, I think, look, we're in a great period of um, of history. I think there's a ton of opportunity out there. And um, I appreciate being on the show, Justin. I'd love to come back anytime. If there's anyone that I could be helpful to out there, please reach out. And um, that's it. But yeah. bottom line is be positive. You know, it's very easy to to be negative, right? So it's really not whether your glass is half full or half empty, but it's understanding that it could be refilled at any time. So that's that's uh, no, what I have to well, say. Well said. On on that note, too, if any of our uh, audience or someone wanted to reach out, whether it's a transitioning veteran or someone wanting to learn more about Robertson Ryan's, how 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 should they reach you? So. You know, LinkedIn is 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 a great way. Uh, I, I look at all the messages. You shoot me a message on LinkedIn. If there's any corporations, money managers, private equity, or private companies that would love to learn more about Robertson Ryan, you know, just reach out to me uh, via LinkedIn. I'd love to schedule a call. Um, you know, I, I just love people. I think there's a lot of tremendous uh, good folks. I think at our core, human beings, you know, they, they all kind of want the same thing, you know, they want health for their family and friends, some financial security, and they, they want to leave some type of legacy. Um, I think my job at Robertson Ryan really is to just tell the story. The platform is built. We've got a great team. We've got a great social mission. We just need to get out there and, and get the message out, um, get get the message out faster. But yeah, LinkedIn, just reach out to me via LinkedIn, and uh, I'm happy to... Uh, I'm happy to talk to anybody if I could be helpful. Excellent. M- Mr. Rathjen, thank you again for joining us on the Approaching Affinity Podcast. You, uh, This conversation has provided a wealth of experience, not just for, for me, but uh, our audience as well. And I hope if we can just reach and influence mm-hmm. just even one transitioning veteran or anyone out there, I think we've, we've definitely uh, accomplished our mission here. So once again, all, thank you for joining. Call, call, Call me yeah. Brian. Mr. Rathjean left the ship in 1992. So 
<laughs> call, call me Brian. But of yes, course. please. Thank you so much for the time and keep up the great work. Approaching Infinity right. is a great podcast. I've learned a lot from listening to your uh, other folks, and hopefully, I provided a little bit of value to somebody today. Thank you for listening to another episode of Approaching Infinity. Make sure to follow us to be notified of new episodes and feel free to reach out directly on LinkedIn at Justin Rubnerine, on Instagram at JRLive7 or Twitter at Justin underscore 777 underscore.